0: and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we get to welcome back the incredibly insightful podcast host who always assures us that there was an idea, a super fan of the MCU and pop culture at large. We're delighted to welcome back friend of the show, Tara. Welcome back, Tara.
1: Hi, thanks for having me again and thank you for that introduction. That was awesome. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's it's always a blast to collaborate with you guys. And the most recent time that we've done that, it was on my show talking about WandaVision. So I'm really excited to be here again on your show and talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
2: Now, okay, this is a little bit of a change for you, format-wise, because this is the first time I think you've recorded same day. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us and for the quick turnaround. I'm sure that, any insights aren't going to be any less than the quick turnaround. Well, thank you for that
1: vote of confidence.
2: <laughs> I'm well, really excited about it. Well, so I heard the, I kind of heard the hesitation in your voice. It was like, oh, no. But...
1: <laughs> no, I'm really excited about it. And yeah, usually I, I spend the time marinating over my thoughts for a couple of days. And that started out of the necessity of scheduling with different guests who may not have been available until, okay, let's say a new episode of whatever it is we're watching is on Friday. Maybe my guest is not available until Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, even. So I had that time to think about it. And I would use that time and rewatch it a few times. And, you know, talking mostly about WandaVision. But for this today, it felt like a new challenge to really think Mm -hmm. about just that initial watch. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I'm also excited to think about how this conversation tonight is going to influence my thoughts as I take a little bit more time with the episode and record something for my show later this week.
0: See, this was all part of our plan. We were just so excited for your newest episode that we just got you here. This is us getting front row seats, (laughs) which, of course, uh, the show that you're talking about is There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, um, you know, available on most podcast platforms. You talked a little bit about it, but just to get the, the listeners a little bit more acquainted, you know, how's it been going in these last few weeks since you've been on?
1: Yeah, it's it's been really, really fun because sort of like you guys, I started the podcast journey reflecting on installments of the MCU that people had had some previous experience with and we had had time with. I was looking at the movies when I first started and not all of the movies, I was kind of jumping around movie to movie based more on theme or concept, which was my spin on things and that continues to be my spin on things you know focusing more on big ideas um but with wandavision coming out and now with falcon and the winter soldier it's a different approach because it is responding more in that real time week to week and it's been different it's been more fast paced it's been a lot of fun and it's also you know in uh the podcast season that i i did on wandavision i had the chance to work with more MCU podcasters, including you guys and branch out in terms of who I've had on the show as guests. So it really has been a really fun ride. And I'm looking forward to continuing that through the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and beyond.
2: Yeah. So I guess, wow. since we last talked, Black Widow is coming to Disney Plus. Yeah. I'm really excited. Are you going to go to the theater anyways?
1: I plan on going and yeah, yeah, I I am vaccinated and the theaters around here are pretty much, you know, they're operating at limited capacity and I go into work every day and interact with a lot of people. I, I think that I feel like my own personal threshold for going out and sitting in the theater is such that I'm excited to do it again. That being said, I understand that everybody has their own personal calculus for what they feel comfortable with. And I know that not everyone is going to be in a position where they feel comfortable going to the theater. So I ultimately think that the decision to do the simultaneous release in both avenues is is probably a good one.
0: I'm so thankful that they did that, like to give the option, because it really seemed like they were being headstrong about doing a theater only run. So now that we have confirmation that it's same day digital, it's really exciting because that just means there will be a larger conversation around it for, as you put it wonderfully, the different thresholds that people have.
1: Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to being able to go to the theater and see it. And then honestly, I am also probably going to buy the access and re-watch <laughs> it a few times and that's you know so i mean thinking about it in terms of the economic savvy and the profit motive behind all of this it's probably a good move on disney's <laughs> part because people like me will do that you know I, if anybody is losing out a little bit i guess i do feel for some of the smaller theater chains who were maybe counting on having these big disney releases go to right, theater right. only But then, you know, there's a lot to take into account here because not everybody is going to feel comfortable taking Mm -hmm. that risk and and going out to the theater. So it's there's a lot of complicated aspects to it. I feel happy with the decision that was made personally.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I've been pushing for Disney+. Plus. I'm glad it's going. Um, In two weeks, I'll have my second vaccination. So come July, while I'm on the fence right now, I feel like the excitement's going to overtake me when the day comes and I'm going like, so I, I feel like that's like I, I'm back and forth and Trey and I've talked about it. And I remember even telling Trey, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go, but the closer it gets, I I'm really curious what's going to end up happening for me. That's true. It's still a few months
1: out. And hopefully things move in a positive direction in terms of more and more people getting vaccinated on the, you know, I don't even want to say it like knock on wood, like chance that things get worse again and say that, you know, obviously (laughs) that would, of course, also be something that would influence our decisions. But considering it is still a few months out, I'm feeling hopeful and I'm feeling positive about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's uh, a lot of great, exciting Marvel things to look forward to, and hopefully things are better in the future. But of course, we've got Marvel at hand with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're going to be tackling season one, episode two, The Star Spangled Man. So if you are familiar with that episodes, the way we do this is we have some pre-spoiler thoughts and then we have an audio cue, which leads us into the spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen the episode after that, that will be your warning. So before we begin, Tara, we'll start with you. Do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier?
1: I do. I'll try to keep it vague.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is the hardest part, really.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll say that I thought this episode was extremely fun. I had a great time watching it. It was very Mm fast-paced. I I found it to be very fast-paced, especially compared with last week's episode, which seemed to take its time a bit more. I will say that ultimately I thought that was a a good thing. There was a lot of great humor and some very serious and somber moments, and I think that it was balanced well, in my opinion, and the directing choices continue to uh, really impress me. I find the direction of the show very compelling.
2: Yeah, I, I think at the end of my first watch, I was surprised at how fast it felt, you know, just from, like, start to finish, not pacing-wise, but, like, I just... Well, it was what a forty-five minute runtime, somewhere the around one, there. Yeah, and the other one's a fifty-minute. So, in in that way, when it ended, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it it, it left me wanting more. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like I, I mean that in a good way, rather than like oh no, yeah, I don't know. Um So that like was a one good thing. cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I don't know. I'm not thinking straight right now. Apparently, <laughs> but yeah, a cliffhanger. It was it was a really good cliffhanger. Um, you know, and I think on my second watch, I realized how much more was in this episode than I initially got out of it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, for me, I think, you know, last week left us in a pretty sore spot with the way they revealed the new Captain America, quote unquote. So I didn't know where they were going to go. But after watching this episode, it really feels like they took some enjoyment pressing down on that emotional sore spot in this episode. Um so that, that was what I took away from watching this. And I think another thing is I'm glad that they aren't clearly cut and dry. Like, there's this feeling of reluctance that I think this episode has captured really well, not only for the characters, but I think for the audience as well.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Trey, Trey's favorite part last week was the wink. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was a really good note to end it on. It really
0: was. <laughs> so this has been a discussion. and This is last week's episode, so we don't need to get into the spoiler zone yet. But there was a discussion in our Discord about how, uh, you know, we had people that were sharing memes about how bad this new Captain America is. And I found it funny that everybody pretty much universally hates this person. And up until this episode has not said a single word, which had us fixating on the wink.
2: It was it was a great introduction.
0: We need to rate the the most evil winks throughout all of pop culture now,
2: sir. That was not evil. That was that was. That was hey, please embrace me. <laughs>
0: well, for fear of getting too into spoilers, let's go ahead and get into the spoiler zone so we can discuss more winks with this character. I was
1: I was holding my tongue because I felt like everything I was going to say was going to yeah.
0: Perfect. All right, so like we said, you'll hear the audio cue, and on the other side, we'll be in the spo- full spoiler zone. See you on the other side. All right, we're here. I'm I'm very curious. Were <laughs> you holding your tongue back on the, the winks now, Tara? <laughs>
1: well, because I thought the wink was kind of nefarious at the end of the previous episode Thank and then you. <laughs> this episode opened up and i was like oh god they're making me feel for this guy i was not expecting that like like the first the very first scene of this episode to open up on this quiet contemplative moment with john walker and humanizing him with his his girlfriend you know i'm assuming and just like I wasn't expecting that at all. And that's not to say that I felt that sympathetic toward him throughout the entirety of this episode. But just ending on that wink and then starting off with this opening scene was not what I expected. But I'm curious to hear, Jude, your take on this wink
2: <laughs> in light of this episode. Uh, okay. I, my, in my first watch, when they had that close-up, my I thought they were going into Bucky. And then, mm-hmm. so I was kind of shocked at first, like when, when they came back or the camera, you know, that they, they cut, pulled back. I liked actually how they showed Walker at least gave the impression, you know, and, and and they gave me this feeling of like, oh, he understands what he's taking on. And he kind of feels the weight of what he's taking on. Um, I do like the cliches they used of this, the glory days being football. <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, even my notes kind of giggled at that. I... I don't know. I really liked this setup. I, I took it as they were high school sweethearts, you know, cause she mentioned going in mm-hmm. there, you know, and I, I did get sense that the one thing I would say that I took, that I took away from this, that it wasn't all. Well, it was it wasn't all perfect, so to speak when his buddy had that line, you can't punch your way out of problems anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, were they hinting at some like anger or rage issues or something else? That's that was the one thing there because that line just seemed very like, you know, life is no longer simple, so to mm-hmm. speak. But yeah, I, I loved the way they introduced him and mm-hmm. to kind of make us feel for him um, playing right. Actually, in my note right here, I have it says Trey's going to hate me at this point. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I just liked it. Just the whole, you know, his sense of humor and the whole about the, the flags and everything. Uh, I liked his his attempt to be humble. I don't know. I just, I think they sold it well, th- this opening scene.
0: So the first thing I want to say is just on like a meta level, I am absolutely adoring how much John Walker is eliciting emotions from people with, again, up until this point, we're in this section where we're talking about John Walker and how he's introduced in this episode of donning the suit to go to the parade. I feel, and because Jude, you were hinting at I was going to be mad at you. I feel like I should just be outright rejecting this, but I was having to come into conflict with how much work they're doing to make him seem not a bad person. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned something about how, it, you know, they were in the glory days of the the football locker room. That was perfect to me because I've already talked a bit about how the show seems to be tackling the ripple effects of Steve through the lineage of both bucky and sam you know with with, with sam it's obviously tr- stepping into that mantle with with bucky it's um being this man out of time and even though john walker hasn't had a direct contact with steve it almost feels like we're seeing him wrestle with the nostalgia or the page- pageantry of what it means to be captain america um you know when he was kind of like reminiscing and removing the lot the the tag off his locker I couldn't help but think of that line in the Avengers from Coulson where he says something along the lines of people need a little old-fashioned and so Mm -hmm. even though I don't think I agree completely with what John Walker will end up being I do like that this is a side of him or a side of what Steve was dealing with through a different person okay pause uh Jude I saw you were. oh man he's having some issues tonight
2: I am (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I am having issues, but keep going. You're...
0: So I, I was going to give you, I didn't know how much you got to hear of that, if you needed to to be brought up to speed. or.
2: I, I got the gist of it. You said you fell in love with him and you're ready for the replacement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we do have to work this in somehow.
1: <laughs> What's that? Oh, Wait, oh, Jude, no. I think we lost you again. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
0: Tara. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. No,
2: I, I'm sorry. I did get – I'm sorry about that.
0: No, you're totally fine. Yeah. But uh, just just to wrap up my point, um, you know, it, it's an interesting facet because John even has the line where he says, like, you know, I've done so many handshakes and, and you know, interviews and stuff like that. I didn't know this was going to be part of the job. Uh, that's something we saw Steve wrestle with in the first Captain America movie and uh, I like that we're kind of revisiting it here
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and and what better way to make the audience invite the audience to remember Steve's origins than to have the Star Spangled Man song playing Mm -hmm. and I I don't know how, how you both felt about it but just the music alone and the way that it played over the Marvel title card it had me feeling that my I guess my own nostalgia <laughs> for <laughs> Steve Rogers and Captain America and the first Avenger movie. And it made me feel good and and like I am now mm-hmm. more receptive to this person who I'm seeing on the screen because it's recalling all of these emotions for me just through this mm-hmm. use of the music and that nostalgia. A- and then I'll show I'll show my hand, I suppose, and say that as time went on with the john walker character throughout this episode i liked him less and less but Mm -hmm. i think that it was highly effective for me personally to start the episode this way and to to catch me where i was not expecting to be caught in having this humanization and uh fond feelings toward this person
2: but okay so you mentioned that very quickly we kind of had this turn you know i have this note walker got cocky very quickly like when he got Bucky out of prison, just how'd you do this? And he kind of gets this big smile and points to himself, but even like visually, like he goes from clean cut to like grows this gruff, you know, and then's like, S- you need to stay out of my way. And that was really weird for me because I didn't, it just seemed like too quick of a, for as much work as they did on trying to make him likable. It was too fast of a switch the other way.
0: You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not even sure I I picked up on that, but now I want to go back and see but what what it makes me feel is in that beginning scene we see so much of him saying the right things because it's an interview. Like he's playing the part,
2: mm-hmm. but I
0: think that's all it could ever be, is playing the part because we see quickly that the the cracks in the facade of he isn't embodying it. He's just playing the role. And I think that fits into another thing that I was feeling of, yes, it showed us all these um, sympathetic looks at at not only John Walker, but the people in his life. And it felt like looking into an alternate universe of these heroes. But the, the best way that I can describe it, you know how the heroes that we know in all the previous movies never refer to themselves by their superhero names or very rarely? Mm hmm. It felt like they were all referring to themselves like in that interview, he was like, Captain America had a lot of guts. I have a lot of guts and I'm going to need every ounce of it if mm-hmm. I'm going to play this off. So but, it all feels like it's just playing a role, but not embodying it.
1: Yeah, I very much got that sense, too. And that first scene, that first scene, you do get to see that side of the this person behind the role and all of these expectations that he feels and all of the pressure that he feels. And it is that moment of. Sympathy or humanization because you're looking at him and he's practicing the voice and and he doesn't seem like he's ready And then as soon as he falls into the role in the interview Especially when he says that Steve felt like a brother even though Mm. he never met him. That's when I'm like, nope, like
2: Like (laughs) Well, well I was saying the camera was on Bucky when he said it, like yeah. Bucky had that face of that nope, just like you said.
1: Yeah, I was like, okay, so you're, you know, I, again, it, great job of making you feel like a real person, but you are, you're playing this role with such a, it is a role, it's inauthentic mm-hmm. and that's what's, that is what makes you different and that is what makes mm-hmm. you not worthy in my eyes.
0: <laughs> you know i'm so glad you used the not worthy uh language because this is a good place to bring it up last week we were talking about the definition of worthiness in the mcu Mm -hmm. and ben m on instagram sent us a really nice video where uh, a youtuber charted uh, their interpretation or the MCU's interpretation of worthiness. Mm-hmm. Now in my head, we're going to have the MCU version and the Tara's version of what it takes <laughs> to lift Mjolnir.
1: He ain't it, just saying. <laughs> oh, I love this it. is what happens when we record at 10 p.m. my
2: time, just so you know.
0: <laughs> I approve. I love it. Yeah, it's great.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? And Yeah, and to add to that, like they made it a... He used a gun, and I know we've seen Captain America in the first Avenger use a gun. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we, I think, I don't remember if it was on pod or off pod, that we've, Trey and I have talked about it, and that was a quote unquote war movie, so to speak, and and it kind of made sense. They, you know, after that, we never saw Captain America use a gun, and they really made it a point, you know, for a fast paced fight and fast cutting to slow down and make sure you noticed, hey, he used a gun. So, so like I think there's a lot of little ways under which they played with our emotions. So you have that, and we don't associate Cap with doing that. You know, Walker looked very reasonable, and I thought Sam and Buck look or Bucky looked childish in the that whole when they were walking down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and and it's kind of conflicting because again, you're we're with Sam and Bucky, but they again, they looked kind of childish there. And so uh, to add to why I thought it was a weird switch at the end, um, Mm. or just too quickly, but yeah, um, hundred percent right, Tara.
0: (laughs) So I think you're transitioning us nicely into our next most important topic, uh, the way that you're bringing up Sam and Bucky in contrast with uh, the John Walker that we get to see in the beginning. Um, This next section, we are going to go ahead and tackle that relationship of Sam and Bucky because we do get to see them reunite in this episode. And so, yeah, I I, want to bring back something that you mentioned Jude about how we saw Bucky's reaction to that press conference with John Walker and I thought that was a really smart move because I think on some level you would think you would want to be with Sam when he sees that other person giving the interview as Captain America. But because we are the audience and trying to find a place to engage with, I think there is some level of frustration, at least on my part, I'll speak for me, of Sam giving up the shield, getting to connect with Bucky, who's also having that same frustration I thought was a brilliant move to transition us into the opposite side of this struggle we're seeing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Bucky... Bucky very much feels like the
2: audience in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, something that occurred to me, and I, in the second watch, there's a, I, I, I noticed a lot more the second time, my second watch and stuff, and in so off of some of the dialogue, and I don't know where to put it, is Sam's version of is, I got the sense of, Sh- of Sam turning down the field, turning down the shield, was his version of like kneeling for the national anthem.
0: I, so this is actually jumping ahead. I'll, I'll go out on this limb. Where we get introduced to this character by the name of Isaiah, and we learn that he is—he was somebody that was given super soldier serum, I believe, back in the fifties, and he is older now, and he's wrestling with this idea of being called a hero, but he was also in prison because he, he framed it as though like you know, you know, what I got for being a hero, I got uh, you know, studied on and tested and blood drawn mm-hmm. and and thrown in prison. And so we see Sam's visceral, visceral reaction to that whenever they're walking outside of Isaiah's house. And I don't think it is a coincidence that as that those emotions are flaring and we're seeing Sam not only deal with the mantle of Captain America in the back of his mind, dealing with seeing another person of color being mistreated while doing something good, and then ending it with being approached by police officers and mm-hmm. wrongly assumed, you know, there being a, a problem. I would say they're, they're, they are invoking that. I don't know yeah. if it 100% is the kneeling, but yeah. it is something that is on the mind of the writers.
1: Yeah, I think that the way that the entire scene setting up the introduction of Isaiah very subtly brought in these, these small moments or just references to our modern real world Mm -hmm. related to racial tensions related to racism you know the setting of baltimore feels intentional the conversation in which the little boy calls uh, sam black falcon and sam addresses it right before they meet isaiah (laughs) it it feels intentional to that whole scene there's a Mm -hmm. behind um Sam, once Bucky gets taken away in the police car, behind Sam there's a graffiti or something that says stop the violence. Mm -hmm. It feels very intentional in terms of setting the scene, even though it's not explicitly called out.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I think, by the way you say it's not explicitly called out, one, I think there is equal parts a delicate way of bringing that in uh, without trivializing it, because that's super important, because these are important important conversations that we've had, you know, all throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we don't know enough about everything with Isaiah yet, but I think it is great groundwork. And I I hope they continue to pull um, those strong story beats because it is important to have those conversations. And I'm glad they're finding a way to do it. Mm
1: -hmm. I I suppose while we're talking about this, you know, something else that I noticed is, so thinking back to the language that that was used at the end of last episode, by uh, whoever that was who was speaking on behalf of the US government in terms of why we need a new Captain America and somebody who could represent everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that language. And then I'm noticing John Walker's old high school that he goes back to. And I couldn't help but notice that the majority, if not all, of the members of the band and many of the people in the crowd were people of color and not white people and it seems like interesting to think that john walker maybe was in a in an environment growing up that was very um racially mixed and and diverse or maybe even that he would have been not in the majority as being a white person and yet he has been chosen to represent everyone and we rarely see the opposite to be true. It was something that was kind of in the back of my mind.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's a good point. Um... Okay. So uh, just a bit of an editor's note. Uh, We are unfortunately having some technical difficulties tonight. So we are losing Jude due to some uh, Wi-Fi connection issues. So before he leaves, we're going to try and get as many quick points as we can from Jude on his thoughts of the episode before we carry on. So Jude, take it away.
2: Okay, Uh, so some of my quick
1: thoughts. Oh, no. It's going to end up being much quicker than we thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Jude. (laughs) Well, with the magic of editing, these will be the quickest thoughts. That's true. Uh,
2: So some of my quick thoughts on this was, uh, and it's weird. I texted Trey about comic book knowledge, and I kind of wanted to stay away from this. I wanted to stay away from comic book knowledge to some degree, uh. But the Carly instead of Carl, um, I thought it was kind of refreshing. They changed the the bad guy from the comic to the bad girl, I guess. Instead of Carl, it's Carly, um, and so Mm -hmm. like that I really liked. Uh, And I do like that, you know, in the comic, uh, Flag Smasher was a person, and they turned it into like an idea or a concept. That I think I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. to see that not be bad or the villain on the other side of this. So that that mm-hmm. was my biggest takeaway, like that and the whole um, what we talked, tried to release on my part, uh, but the racial tensions brought into the episode.
0: Well, cool. Thank you, uh, thank you for giving those. Again, I'm I'm sorry you're having technical difficulties.
2: Me too. Um, I apologize. I am so sorry.
0: <laughs> it's all good. All right. It feels weird to say "see you next week" <laughs> in the middle of the episode.
2: Yeah, no problem. Sorry, too It's
0: oh,
1: it's okay. I hope it's working better next time. Bye. Uh,
0: see ya. All right, so we're back, uh, unfortunately, jude list this time. Um, oh. Just uh, just to reset the, the setting, uh, we are in this section where we're talking about Sam and Bucky. This includes all the interactions that we've seen now that they have joined up together again for the first time in the season, and even tackling some of that scenes of them together in therapy at the end. So to start off, um, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about seeing Sam and Bucky is that it almost feels like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan's chemistry is so good that it allows them to break out of the character and that feels pejorative to say they're breaking the character, but it feels like it's they're they're molding the character and that's what I found really interesting about their dynamic.
1: Yeah, I actually found myself wondering in a couple of moments if they were I- improvising a little bit. Right? Yeah.
0: Like the the line about Bucky saying, oh, yeah, I read The Hobbit when it came out. And <laughs> and like that doesn't feel like the Bucky we know, but because they're so they're great interjections of them, I'm down for it. It just feels like adding to the tapestry of the character.
1: Yeah. And the whole Buck thing. <laughs> <Like> Steve <laughs> knew me longer and Steve had a plan.
0: is very good. I love it. I love the, the, the two qualifications for Captain America, being able to lift Mjolnir and being able to call Bucky Buck. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> it feels so right. I know. <laughs> um, I also liked the White Panther bit, and he's like, actually, it's White Wolf. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, they have great, great chemistry.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the best part, and again, I think we could just we could fawn over the chemistry so much because going to that point about the the the, the White Wolf, you know, Sam looks like genuinely surprised, like, oh, that's a really good name, like it caught him off guard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he does, and and then when he's messing with him, and I, I also loved when Bucky was like, "I have a vibranium arm," and Sam's like, "I can fly. Who gives a shit?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just great, and and it did feel a little bit like the actors clearly have a a rapport and were playing into it and having a good time, and you can tell.
0: <laughs> Most definitely, I think a, another thing that I enjoyed about seeing their dynamic together is much like both of these Disney Plus shows have done so well is it's given us more of a context of the smaller scale side of the MCU. Mm -hmm. And so specifically, uh, Sam has the line of, you know, it's the big three, the big three, androids, aliens, and wizards. It feels playfully reductive, Mm -hmm. but in a way that I think is, is realistic to some of these closer to human side of the MCU. Because, of course, you know, Sam has got the flight with the the mechanical wings, but no super serum. Um, Bucky does have the super serum, but in contrast to people like Doctor Strange or, you know, all these other fantastical sides, it's more human level to me. So I like that, that glimpse that we got as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're coming off of a show like WandaVision, where <laughs> we have this all-powerful... <laughs> witch and we have this android you know it's they do feel much more grounded in reality even though we just saw bucky jump out of a plane with no parachute and he's fine <laughs> it still feels a bit more a bit more human
0: mm-hmm. that's gotta be marvel being aware of the jumping out of the plane with no shoot, shoot trope right like having <laughs> bucky just go and land unceremoniously
1: yeah i, I think it was very
0: intentional mm-hmm I think another section to really zone in on here with Bucky and Sam is, of course, we have a bunch of events that take place uh, with the fight in Munich. And then, um, you know, we already talked about the Isaiah uh, visit that they had. Mm -hmm. But this all culminates to a moment where Sam and Bucky find themselves again with a therapist and they are forced to reconcile their problems. Did you have any feelings about the way that that therapy session played out yeah
1: i thought it was a great scene i i love that they enter the scene in a very antagonistic place and i i also love that a lot of their back and forth is this banter it's this humorous type of thing and clearly there's this tension between the two of them but up to a little bit before this point in the episode it, it seemed still like mostly lighthearted but Mm -hmm. it really got to sam that bucky hadn't said anything about isaiah and i think that it was that scene previously where sam you can tell there's something to anthony mackey's acting when he goes from that lighthearted playfulness to all of a sudden very serious and you can tell that it was weighing on his character and a lot has obviously been weighing on bucky as well so i like where this Therapists session starts off with more of the leaning into the humor and the banter, but ends up somewhere that is more emotional and really does kind of reveal where each of them is at and they do confront it together. And of course, you know, Sam is there saying, okay, after this, we never have to see each other again. And mm-hmm. that's how you know that they are absolutely going to come out of this like stronger friends. And they mm-hmm. absolutely will see each other again uh, when this is all said and done, because that's how the story is clearly going to go. They have more in common than they than they think they do, especially when she <laughs> she said, do you know about the miracle question? And they're both like, absolutely not <laughs> you know they're they're in sync and uh I wish he would talk less and that's exactly what I would say you know um so I thought it was it was a great scene on a lot of different levels
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I really enjoyed what they were doing with the therapy scene in this episode because we already know that Bucky's been in therapy and in the previous episode we saw he had An adverse relationship to it. I think he wants the change, but he's struggling with the methods towards that change. So the most impressive thing to me is that of this interaction with Sam and Bucky in therapy, Bucky, I think, is the one who was more receptive to it. And I think it was a subtle nod to him slowly seeing the fruits of all that work he's been putting in because he actually opens up about what's bothering him. You know, he talks about how, like, why did you give up the shield, man? You know, maybe Steve was wrong about you. And if he's wrong about you, maybe he was wrong about me. And that felt like a raw emotion from Bucky that we've never seen before. And so I like that they gave us that glimpse in contrast to how defensive I think Sam is still at at this point, because he's been deflecting this entire episode of dealing with having given the shield up and they end with sam saying this is something that you and steve could never understand maybe i was just doing what i thought was right and then he storms out of the room so we definitely have more for sam to unravel which is good because this he is one of the main storylines in this but it's such a great look at these two characters through the ways they react to this therapist
1: yeah absolutely and that scene when bucky says if he was wrong about you then he was wrong about me and his voice breaks mm-hmm. and it's really really powerful and i i don't think we've ever seen bucky be so emotionally open as in that moment mm-hmm. and sam too you know he he responds at first a little bit flippantly he's like okay are you done now you know mm-hmm. and you can tell that he's on the defensive and i think him saying you know maybe you can never accept it but i thought i did what i thought was right is it's some progress toward giving us a glimpse into maybe why he made the decision he did. But I I think you referenced this earlier. I do have some frustration with still not quite knowing what Sam's thoughts and feelings really are regarding why he made that decision. I, I think that there is a lot of subtle suggestions as to why he made that decision, and I know Jude alluded to that earlier, Mm -hmm. Um, but I am kind of waiting for them to make to make something more explicit. I, I don't know. How do you feel about that?
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, because in episode one, the therapist mentions, oh, She mentions to Bucky, oh, you've got a lot of unanswered texts from Sam. Yeah. So Sam was clearly trying to reach out to him. Maybe this is me reaching, but it could be wanting to talk about what he was dealing with with the shield. And Bucky wasn't there. Mm. So there are hints to there being more of hopefully getting to see where he was at before giving it up.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And you you, because you even mentioned it in, in your episode that you did on the first one of that contemplative feeling that they gave us before launching into the action. Right. It's so easy to forget that moment because everything is such a big spectacle, but it's, I hope that they're not teeing that up and we don't get to go back and see where he exactly was in his mental state before deciding to give it back to the museum.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think there's something to be said for shows that subtly give us these glimpses into where our characters are at and trust the audience to be able to read into line delivery and the the camera angles and the expressions on the actors faces and that has all been so strong with this show even in just these two episodes Mm -hmm. that being said i think since we have heard bucky articulate more of exactly how he's feeling i would like to also get that from sam as well Mm -hmm. and i think we will oh yeah
0: because we're two episodes in in a six episode season yeah hitting the halfway point next week i'm hoping i'm hoping we'll get some time for that yeah for sure so i think that's a pretty pretty broad stroke overview of sam and bucky and the way that their dynamics are playing out and the reason we took time to to profile john walker and sam and bucky is so that we could get to this point where we have labeled our most important topic reluctant teamwork <laughs> so this covers you know when they were in munich germany where they were fighting against the flag smashers and their interactions that they had outside uh the prison or the gel in the end of the episode so i'll, I'll just go ahead and say john walker and his buddy Hoskins joining in the fight with the Flag Smashers that we saw in the trailer was legitimately surprising for me. I did not see that coming at all.
1: No, I have to agree. I, I, So first of all, I thought that scene was awesome. I really liked that in terms of an action scene. I thought it was very, very cool. Um, and so I was very in it and I loved seeing Bucky run and Sam fly and the whole thing. I was not expecting to see John Walker come down from that helicopter at all either.
0: And I think it plays more into what we were feeling in the whole pageantry of the beginning of the episode where it's like, because I, I don't think I got to articulate it alongside you, but I kind of was getting caught up in the moment. Like, this is a familiar mm-hmm. iconography that I, I, I'm a huge fan of. So to see it in a familiar setting, I was like grappling with that. And then to get to the scene where we see him in action throwing the shield around, which I love, I w- it's it's so good how they were playing on that reluctant feeling. As I said in the pre-spoiler thoughts, both as the characters, because we saw the way Bucky was just kind of like giving him the side eye as he was throwing the shield around. But, you know, speaking for me as a viewer, it was like, I don't know how to root for this.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. It was both cool to see the shield back in action and then you're reminded of who is wielding it. And I don't know about you. I just got mad then. (laughs) (laughs) It made me frustrated. Maybe I relate to Bucky more than I... Than I thought I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right there with you, and it's and it's because like there's so many moments where, yes, they're doing such a great work of trying to make us like them. Like for example, whenever uh, Hoskins is falling off the truck, I mean, yeah. he very deftly throws the shield and protects him. And that so. Was cool. It plays more into that, like, this bizarro look into an alternate universe where, like, you would ordinarily be rooting for these people, but there's just something that feels slightly off, which I think Jude alluded to when he was talking about the way John Walker used his pistol uh, in this right. fight.
1: Yeah, it's that almost uh, uncanny valley feeling of there. It's it's just familiar enough to what feels like it should be real, um, <laughs> but there's something off and it's just uncomfortable.
0: I think you you putting it as the uncanny valley is the perfect way to put it. I think that's what how I would like to refer to it moving forward. That's good.
1: And Jude did comment earlier on uh, John Walker's changing facial hair. And I noticed that too. And I wasn't sure what was up with that. I, I couldn't really tell how much time
0: mm-hmm.
1: had gone by and and maybe it really was meant to just be a visual signifier for him getting grittier maybe uh maybe less innocent or something like that but um but i i think that was interesting in terms of timing i think a couple of times i was thrown off in this episode like i said up top like it felt very um fast paced. And I, and I think one of you said that it felt fast in general. And that was one of the things I was wondering about in terms of Bucky showing up too to confront Sam, like how much time has gone by? Uh-huh. Not that it's super important, but it is just something that I, I was wondering about.
0: Yeah. Th- and, and that's a really good point, because I think Timing has been a very central part of these both of these Disney Plus shows. We saw how that came into effect with WandaVision and everything that took place, uh, I believe, like two weeks after the blip. Right. Uh, And now this, everything's happening, I believe, six months is what I was hearing. I can't remember exactly, but a a, a significant more time. Um, Yeah. So because they keep alluding to these, I get that feeling, too, of like, where where, where all is this taking place? Mm -hmm. And why hasn't Bucky bought a bed yet?
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they're too soft. I guess that must be what it is. But yeah, I noticed he was on the floor again watching the TV and there's a lot of good, subtle details mm-hmm. in this show that I I think are really well done. and I, you know, I, I just said a couple minutes ago that I anticipate and I'm looking forward to Sam's, reasoning behind giving up the shield becoming more explicit but all of that being said i do think that the subtleties to the show have been really nice so far Mm -hmm. and i like that you know we're in a show that's completely different from something like wandavision where everything felt like a hint or a clue or foreshadowing and and this is different but paying attention to details still pays off if not in a oh my gosh you know what is this going to turn out to be mystery type of way but in that more maybe uh, you know connected to the character development Mm -hmm. type of way Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm looking forward to more of that as we as we go on Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I think that's a great way to look at it it's almost like the mystery is the well my first reaction was to say to the the emotional mindset of some of these characters, but I think that also played in uh, with WandaVision, but paired mm-hmm. with uh, obviously magical powers and whatnot, right? But coming back to this reluctant teamwork, you know, the, we had the the amazing action scene where they're fighting on top of the two trucks against the Flag Smashers. Um, so cool! Yeah, so so well done. Mm-hmm. I I love the way they made it feel frenetic and fast paced with you know Sam dodging in and out of the trucks with his wings and then having to quickly dodge out and. Very, very gripping.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I loved seeing Bucky's arm in action. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Just
1: like when he's like um, kind of keeping himself from falling down the side of the truck and then hanging on to the bottom of it and just very cool. Mm -hmm.
0: So eventually that all gets to a moment where they have disengaged with the Flag Smashers. We see Sam and Bucky are walking alone, getting away from the scene, probably trying to regroup with Torres. And... John Walker and Hoskins drive up alongside. And to me, I think this is where it really started to fit in where I was wrestling with John as a character. It is mm-hmm. so uncomfortable with how hard he's trying to fit in. Right. Like just the way he drove up and just opened the door while these two other characters were just walking on their own volition. I don't, I, I've been trying all day to think of a way to delicately put this. And unfortunately, I have not. So I'll do my <laughs> my unfortunate way of saying it really feels like somebody who's bought their way in. Even though I yeah. I don't think John Walker has done that. It just that's the feeling of like someone who didn't earn that buying their way into a position of that power.
1: I completely agree. And the way that he even says I've done the work mm-hmm. okay right like like he's try like he's trying to prove hey I I earned this I deserve this I've done the work that was necessary and and we hear earlier in the episode that he has an impressive resume so it's not that it's entirely like he was this actor you know hired <laughs> by the government to do this however there's something to the way that he's saying that type of line and there, there's something to the way he gestures to himself and says kind of the government it, yeah. it just feels very much uh, there's there's something wrong with it <laughs> there's something off about it and like bucky says to him just because you carry the shield doesn't mean you're captain america and and i think bucky is a lot of the audience in that moment when he says that mm-hmm.
0: You know every interaction that I think Bucky has with John Walker, I can't help but flash back to that scene in the first uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, where Bucky and Steve are drinking right before going into a big battle, and mm-hmm. Bucky says something to the extent of, "No, I wouldn't follow Captain America, the guy who didn't know how to run from a fight. That's who I'm following." And that, like mm-hmm. every time, it's like you can feel that moment and every word that Bucky delivers towards um, John, and to say a little bit more about what you were saying about flexing that status, you know, he's leveraging, you know, being, you know, kind of the government to you know, basically, like, invade Buck, uh, invade Sam's privacy. Like, he was hacking yeah. on where they were and he makes it, like, a no big deal where if that was Steve, that would have been such a more contemplative, like, wrestling with how much power that is to do.
1: Oh my gosh, exactly, right. Like, our Steve would not <laughs> be okay with that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I feel like, Bucky would also be right there with us saying like, that's not my Steve. My Steve would not do that.
0: <laughs> you know how uh, Marvel's has such an incredible social media team that updates the hashtags with the emojis? Yes. I, I'm i going to make this bet now. At some point, we'll see the hashtag, not my cap, and it'll be the the Walker emoji. <laughs>
1: if that doesn't happen, I think you should make it happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Disney, I'm available if uh, you need some more social media work.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on board. I think it's necessary.
0: Oh, I love it. So just just to wrap it all up, I think, well, wrap up this, this inconsistency with whether or not John is a sympathetic character or somebody we should be wary of. I think even at the core of who he is. It's it's plain to see this guy is just outright insensitive. Um, mm-hmm. The way that he tries to plead to Sam to join him by calling him Cap's wingman is incredibly yes. disrespectful. Um, and then even again later on in the episode where, they're, where Bucky and Sam are walking out of the jail, they flash the lights at them to get their attention. And given as much as they've been invoking with those racial tensions and how we've seen for people of color the experience with the police force is incredibly different it's just so tone deaf to any situation that john walker walks into
1: yeah i'm really glad you brought that up because it felt so intentional in that moment on on the part of the people writing the show to have the character do that when we had just a few scenes earlier seen the interaction between law enforcement and sam and bucky in which Sam is clearly profiled and not being treated with the same respect that is being afforded to bucky before they realize that they're avengers and then the irony is that bucky is the one with a warrant out for his arrest mm-hmm. um but so for both of these characters sam who is is you know was previously racially profiled bucky who had just been arrested mm-hmm. for <laughs> and and now we have john walker doing that it seemed so jarring and so unlikable in that moment but going back to what you were saying before it's what i think they did such a good job with here is that there are some moments where you're almost with him like and right before he says the comment about uh the wingman he says i'm not trying to be steve i'm not trying to replace steve i'm trying to be the best captain america i can be and you're almost with him in that moment Mm -hmm. again where you're like okay like that makes sense and maybe you are just trying your best and you know you were given this You know, you're a soldier and and then you were given this task to do and you're doing what you need to do. And then, as Sam says, it's always that last line, like he's always got to mess it up by saying something like you said, super insensitive or just uncalled for. And it's I I think the way that the show played with that and and invites the audience to wrestle with
0: that was really well done Mm -hmm. to because, again, I know we unfortunately had to part ways with Jude midway through the episode. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. He called it last week he could Mm -hmm. he said wouldn't it be a travesty if this guy turns out to be you know somewhat of an okay guy and Mm -hmm. it really seems like that's what they're working with albeit with some cracks in the facade but we're not completely there yet so of course they're always making these tough decisions in the writing room to make us have to really grapple instead of the straightforward clear cut that we thought it was going to be after last week or i thought it'd be
1: yeah and that's what makes it such good storytelling and that's what makes it you know why we're here talking about this stuff on podcasts is that it's it's intriguing and it's not just cut and dry and you know i'm sure we'll talk about it soon but with the flag smashers as well like it's it's not as clear cut as this person bad this person good and that's (laughs) what makes it very intriguing
0: Mm -hmm. so i i think you're right on the money uh we can go ahead and move into our last important topic which we have called super soldiers um Mm -hmm. I can't remember if I said this beginning. I think this episode so far has been the hardest one to divide clearly into most important topics. So, this one entails everything with the Flag Smashers as they seem to be really invested in creating super soldiers and then um we already talked a little bit about it but with 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 Isaiah being a super soldier from the past in the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's uh it, it, it's zoning in on the Isaiah like it adds more contextual history to the MCU in a way that feels enriching and not not like, oh, and then this happened too. Like the way that it was introduced into the story makes me feel like, oh, well, I wanna see that corner of the universe as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I the first time I watched this episode today, after it was over, and I tried to process what I had just seen, I was like, oh my gosh, there was so much in this episode. Mm -hmm. We got the introduction to Isaiah alongside all of this John Walker stuff, alongside all of this Flag Smasher stuff, and alongside the reunion between Bucky and Sam. And I really felt like, you know, the episode did a good job of making this all, it it was was an episode that was loaded But to me, it didn't feel overloaded. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because of what you just said. I think it was a very natural way to introduce Isaiah and the, like you said, corner of the universe that that opens up um, without it seeming like it was thrown in there. And what an interesting character, too. I really enjoyed meeting him here.
0: Yeah, just just the performance that that actor gives, which I I haven't gotten a chance to look up, which I feel bad for, but just the, the performance that he was giving, like there's weight and there's weariness to who he is and the life that he's lived and the way that it, it boils up into that tension where he throws that tin can into the wall. Yeah it's I'm I want to know more I which I know I keep saying this like I'm ready for his Disney plus show like I just want to keep seeing everything explored in the MC with this
1: yeah I love the line he says you think you can wake up one day and decide who you want to be it doesn't work like that and then he says well maybe it does for folks like you and just I mean wow like on, on my show I, I think a lot about the concept of identity and what that mm-hmm. means and how it's so multifaceted how it that concept of identity is so multifaceted for people who are both human and superhuman in in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. So that line of like, you think you can wake up and decide who you want to be is so layered. And uh, bringing in also his experience as a not just a soldier, not just a super soldier, a black super soldier during the years in which he was that and how he was treated by the government, who uh, exploited by the government, clearly. And it just there, it, there's so many layers there and it's really, really deep and uh, heavy. And at the same time, the episode also balances it out with more of that humorous side. And I, I just think it was well done.
0: I like the way you described it with with the heaviness. I think that that feels very apt. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the the heaviness of a spurned person and and the different layers that they are invoking there. Switching over to the flag smashers, though. Jude and I talked a little bit about it last week, where we were mentioning it's it's good to set up sympathetic reasons for your antagonist, your villains, your opposing forces, and they continue to do great work with that here in the Flag Smashers, because on paper this idea of unity and 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 making things better for people isn't a villainous role, but clearly the the means at which these Flag Smashers are going through by stealing equipment and 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 um, resources isn't exactly the best way to go about it but getting to see that interaction where they made it to the homes of the people that were creating a refugee for them, Um, I think again it continues to show that this isn't just antagonist there is a real movement behind these people who feel like things are better before the blip and they don't want to see the people in power before it come back into power like things used to be yeah
1: I think it's so fascinating i think it's so strangely unintentionally timely with our own world right now i mean seeing vaccines and and just like Mm -hmm. seeing you know prompting this idea of vaccine distribution and uh maybe some of the ethics behind that and uh, prompting this idea of hey we've had this world changing event and is that world changing an event an opportunity to maybe change some of the systems that were in place that weren't working so well it really um It really brings up a lot and of Mm -hmm. course these this group is set up to be antagonistic and we don't maybe i'll speak for myself but you know most don't condone the type of of extreme action that uh Mm -hmm. you're seeing here and and of course they're set up to be working against our heroes but i do think the show is doing a good job of making us not just feel humanized not just make them feel humanized in terms of, okay, wow, they're delivering... Yes, they're stealing. Well, they're delivering supplies to people in these post-blip, refugee style camps around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, and, and like you said too, there are clearly a lot of people who are supporting them. And and the the man who welcomes them in uh where was was that Slovakia? Uh,
0: yes, I believe so.
1: Okay. Yeah, he, you know, the way he um the language he chooses to use, freedom fighters, Robin Hood, mm-hmm. right? It's very, very telling.
0: Which is in direct contrast to that conversation they were having with Sam, Bucky, John, and um the first word that's coming to mind is Battlestar, which is not the way I think he'd, the first impression, yeah. but they were having that, that conversation about how, you know, violent uprisings usually aren't good for, you know, dis- dispersing resources and, and Sam says, like, oh, yeah, that seems like a line that comes from the people who have all the resources. Yep. So right there, you're seeing that contrast of the way they're describing him as freedom fighters and then, you know, violent uprisings yeah. on the other yeah, side.
1: Absolutely.
0: Hoskins, by the way. Yes, that was Lamar the name I was Hoskins, looking for. Yes, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I got <laughs> when go ahead.
1: when he says Battlestar and that's the moment where Bucky's like, I need out of this truck. Like, he, <laughs> Stop yeah, <the> car. <laughs> he has had enough. He does not want to hear Battlestar. <laughs> I I do like how Bucky is kind of like a curmudgeonly old man. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Well, that's what, the, like, when you were describing that, that was the first thing that came to mind was like a, a picture of a, an older person saying, get off my lawn. Like
2: having somebody yeah. refer to Star, themselves Now the... I've heard it all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So another curious thing about the scene, because we aren't given too much, but we're still seeing more of that flushing out of these flag smashers uh, with the way they're, you know, taking these resources. We even see one willing to die for the cause and buy the other's time. But we're seeing some tension there because the leader of the Flag Smashers, Carly, gets a very ominous text about being discovered and killed.
1: Yeah, I was curious what you thought about that because I, especially the part in the text message that said you took what was mine, I was very Mm -hmm. curious what you thought that was uh, referring to and if you thought that was maybe referring to super soldier serum
0: so yes i think it's definitely about the super soldier okay. serum because i think it caught everybody off guard that they were super soldiers right. this other part i struggle with one from being snake bitten from all the theorizing at <laughs> wanda vision but and i know i'm going to get flack for this because i am a captain america fan there's a parting my first instinct was wondering if this is somehow related to john walker because of the 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 anonymous action of it. We've already seen multiple references to him not being a super soldier. Yeah. And there is this lingering question in the air of how they got there. I don't know, that was my first instinct, but I was trying to like keep that hand at bay, but.
1: I think we're on the same page. I, I awesome. yeah, <laughs> and maybe this is why we need Jude here. <laughs> because I, I had a similar thought that mm-hmm. it could be, it could be him so i guess we'll see i guess we'll see
0: well and and uh, go back to when they were in munich and i think sam asked him like how did you track them and they were like oh we didn't track them we tracked you mm-hmm. uh your Red Wing." and the line that they give is that oh it's government property it's not really hacking i i i feel like and this is where my limits of technical know-how is gonna be very thin but i feel like they put in that line with torres where he talked about how many different ip addresses were being sent off from Red Wing. Giving the impression that it's not easily hackable, so or, or easily traceable, even from an official arm of the government, that they couldn't do it. So it, it just felt like something was off. That that was their answer.
1: I think that's a really interesting connection, and I'm not just saying that because it kind of supports my theory, but <laughs> <laughs> but I no, I think that's a really good observation. I hadn't thought of
0: that. Also, mm. rest in peace, Red Wing. Oh yeah. Even though that was what Bucky's been wanting to do, that was, (laughs) man, I hope that we, we, because it's unceremonious as it was that it's gone. There's gotta be more backups of Red Wing because I don't want to see, I don't want to stop seeing Bucky be annoyed by Red Wing. Yeah. I I think Red Wing will be back. Cool. So I, I think that wraps it up for, no, I forgot something. Um, You know, everything culminates to this point where we see clearly Sam and Bucky can't work with Walker and Hoskins, uh, but they're still on this same goal of figuring out what's going on with the Flag Smashers. And because of their involvement with the super soldiers and how that potentially links to Hydra, Mm -hmm. Bucky suggests that they go and speak with Zemo. And that's the cliffhanger that we get for this episode. But what were sort of your general reactions to this idea of having to team up with Zemo here at the end?
1: I think it's it's very, I like it. And Mm -hmm. going back to Captain America Civil War, Zemo was one of those villains who, in my take, if some things had gone differently for him, if he had made some different choices, then he would have fallen on the other side of the line, right? He could have been Mm -hmm. a Wanda. Who, yeah. who you know again we know is is complicated and has done some bad things and um but it, it all does come down to those choices right and and he made certain choices he was also going to choose to kill himself and and T'Challa stopped him from doing so and so now he is in this cell and i'm imagining has had a lot of time to to think about things and I'm excited to see him back and I think that it's going to be interesting to hear hear that character's take on the post end game post blip world and mm-hmm. his take on um what's going on with the flag smashers group so I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in the mix.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm right there with you. I- I've I've always liked those storylines where, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, where they have to team up with somebody um, that they don't generally work with. And even though I we don't know they're teaming up, the fact that they even have to go to Zemo mm-hmm. at all, I think, is really telling. Um, and even invokes uh, feelings that I had in Thor The Dark World, where, Lo- where Thor goes to Loki and he says something to the line of, you must be truly all desperate. Right. And so, like, I like that that's what that's that feeling I had there. But, yeah, speaking more to to what you were saying about getting Zemo's perspective on everything that's happened. um, A few weeks ago, Jude and I got to guest on MC Rewind and we were giving some predictions on the way we thought Zemo got out. Well, clearly now we see that, you know, he's still not out yet. But the heart of what my prediction was, was wanting to see how he mixes with this sort of anti-superhero ideology that's brewing. And I think it's, it's prime to see, you know, being locked in his, his cell already distrusting of superheroes and then seeing what their actions have caused. I can only imagine what he's going to have to say once we get to see him next episode.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think so far the show has been falling in an interesting place regarding that conversation around the anti-superhero sentiment. And we, we saw that come up in WandaVision and what we're seeing in this show so far is interesting because clearly being an Avenger has some, like there's some clout that comes with it. You know, the police officers in this episode, once they hear, oh, these are Avengers, they back off. The The lone officer in the previous episode had that excitement about, you know, meeting mm-hmm. an Avenger. Um, And we also see a lot of positive reception to this new, quote unquote, Captain America, at least from the people from his hometown. So I've been curious about that, too, because we see that there is a lot of positive, but the the positive seems almost very inauthentic. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, that loan officer, those law enforcement officers are kind of like playing into what they think they should be doing. Oh, thank you for your service kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's interesting. So I think that the, we haven't heard the flag smashers outright call out superheroes yet. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to bring Zemo in with that lens. I'm assuming that that's the lens he's going to bring into it. So (laughs) yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool to see. I'm looking forward to having him back here. Yeah,
0: me too. Well, now that wraps it up for that last important topic, which leaves us on our straight thoughts section. Uh, So Tara, do you have any straight thoughts?
1: Wow. You know, I think we covered a lot of it. I want to say that I really liked the line, uh, thanks doc for making it weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in movies and TV shows, people call doctors doc way more often than in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still a great line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um other stray thoughts. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have any. I think we mostly got to the the big things that have been on my mind.
0: So, I think the only one that I have that we didn't get to um well we we talked about it, but I don't think we really got to to explore what I wanted to say um at the very beginning when Hoskins is talking to John He tells them, you know, you can't just punch your way out of problems Mm. anymore. I like that line, not only because of what Jude was hinting at earlier, where it was maybe there's some sort of anger issues or or something there with John that we don't know yet. But sticking with the in-text universe of the MCU, the last time I think we saw that line used was Natasha talking to Steve right before the battle at the airport where she's like, you can't just punch your way out of this one Steve. And so I like, maybe intentional, maybe not, maybe I'm stretching, but I like that they were bringing those two lines together.
1: Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Cool connection.
0: Yeah. So that's it for Straight Thoughts. We pretty much covered all of it in the other topics. So that leaves us with predictions for episode three. So Tara, do you have any of those?
1: Yeah, I I think that Bucky and Sam might... End up not just so we we know that they're gonna go see Zemo. I think that they may end up being the ones who get him out. Hmm. I, it's a it's a thought. Um, we'll see. I also think that Sharon will be back. I think episode three feels like a good time for her to. We we know she's gonna be in the show. They've advertised it a lot, and I I think yeah, I think it feels like a good time that she'll come in. And then the other thought that I had was that if. I'm gonna sound so anti-John Walker on this episode. But
0: <laughs> you're in safe space. We got Jude out. It's fine. <laughs> if
1: it if even if it wasn't in fact him who is behind this texting of you took what was mine, I think that so let's say that's not true. I think that he'll be trying to get Super Soldier Serum after his interactions with the flag smashers. He, you know, held his own for a little bit, but he got beat, and I think that he's aware of the fact that he does not have that art of him, right? He doesn't have Mm -hmm. whatever it takes to be a super soldier. He's just, like, a really good regular soldier. So I think that um, where we are seeing that there is some goodness to him, and we're also seeing where there is potentially some um, hints at some not greatness to him either i wonder if he is going to try to get his hands on that and if he does get his hands on it uh you know as as we learn in captain america the first avenger the the serum kind of emphasizes what is already there in the person Mm -hmm. right and i wonder if that would be something that would bring out maybe more of the negative aspects of of that character so anyway that's that's just some thoughts that i'm having i don't even know if those are predictions or just uh <laughs> i don't know
0: we'll see that's what like I, those are All predictions right. I like it. <laughs> yeah and, and specifically because i i'm right okay. there with you uh, one i think you're spot on with the the bucky sam zemo breaking out scenario that feels like that's primed to happen just because of how great Marvel's been at like subverting our expectations of what we think is going to happen so far right <laughs> um, but but coming back to my prediction like I'm, I'm right there with you with John Walker I think next episode being episode three of a six episode season things got to get set in motion I think we'll get a definitive look at who John Walker is uh, potentially warts and all mm-hmm. and you bring up a great point of the super ser- the super soldier serum amplifying all aspects of the personality I think we've already seen a drive towards wanting that um and maybe some of that ego damage of being beat by somebody with super soldier mm-hmm. power um yeah i think because this just came to me as you and jude were remarking on the way he became less clean shaven as the episode went on it's almost this feeling of being disheveled and that reminds me of uh, blonsky from mm. the incredible hulk the way that he got it almost quote unquote addicted to the power yeah so maybe I feel like it could be the exact same situation for John. Very interesting. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Tara, I just want to say, we say it every time, but even more so, thank you so much. I know we had some technical difficulties on this one. And uh, not only that, but also I know it's incredibly (laughs) late where you are. So sincerely, thank you for joining us on this episode. No, thank you.
1: I always look forward to speaking with you and with Jude, whether it's for mcu need to know or if it's for there was an idea or even just you know chatting with you guys in between episodes so i was really looking forward to this and i i'm bummed that jude his internet was not cooperating tonight but i guess i guess episode two just needed to all be about how wonderful captain america and steve rogers is and that's... 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it how it shook out but thank you so much again for having me on the show
0: of course and again if you're not already you should definitely be following tara on social media with an idea underscore podcast on both twitter and instagram and uh you know there was an idea marvel cinematic universe podcast on pretty much every available podcast platform uh incredibly good show and a wonderful companion piece to the mcu thank you so, of course, uh, if you want to follow us at MC Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram is where you can find us. Or if you'd like to write us an email, mcneedano at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work linked in the description below. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, Tara, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. This was awesome. We'll see you all next week. Because I, I that was I think that was the one that was hard for me to figure out where to put it, but I, I felt like it was important to at least Trey? talk a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Did we lose Jude? Me.
1: I don't know. He just said your name and.
0: If this is one of his, and he disappeared. <laughs> this feels like one of his elaborate "nothing is real" pranks that he always plays on me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, who was that who said your name into oh, the no. universe?
0: Oh, don't do this to me, too. <laughs> I thought you were on Team Cap. You're betraying me. Well, I think he's back.
2: Yeah, I just got... I I don't know what happened. I got disconnected. I am back. Um, I,
0: we were just talking. It was, the, it was the craziest thing where you just said my name in a very concerned manner, and that was it. And it was an abrupt end.
2: Well, I heard like a little digital kind of glitch or something and then silence and then I was like okay so I'm I dropped off (laughs) um